Hi everyone and welcome to this month's podcast where I'm joined by Rina Shah. I'm honored to have her here. She's a senior legal advisor, compliance lead and market data protection officer for Nestle. Um, and I, I don't know what to say about her achievements so far, but we'll we'll find out together. Welcome, Rina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast and thank you for be for being one of the few women that we've had on the podcast so far. And I'm really I really want more women to be demonstrating how you can excel you know in uh, our legal careers so thank you and also because this is um south africa women's month this is perfect for us yeah. and i know that you've that you've lived in south africa as well so this is um an apt um conversation yeah no thank you so much and actually i am doing some um a campaign around um south africa's women's uh day and celebrating actually what's coming up in september is um south africa's Heritage Day. Yeah. So um, I'm actually running a campaign at the moment for our whole region to try and create that um, that love of heritage, but also talk about how uh, women, uh, those those important matriarchs in our family, take uh, a huge part of that journey that we all take in passing heritage down. Amazing, amazing, and we'll talk more about that as we go along. Perfect. But let me start off with this: if you if I had talked to you ten years ago. Uh, and said to you, what do you think you'd be doing um, then? What would you say um, that you'd be doing now? Ah, wow, this this is definitely a loaded question because I think about 10 years ago, I just, I, I had envisioned the traditional model of I'll be in, um, in private practice and maybe by this time I'll have my own small, medium-sized firm and, okay. and that was... That was actually where where the the vision went. Um, I never envisioned I would have worked across um, sub-Saharan Africa yeah. and traveled um, across so many countries and and for work. Uh, I mean, you know, it's twenty six countries I've I've so far worked across. And amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I really never envisioned that. But so you knew you wanted to be a lawyer. So how did that come about? How did you? Because for me, it was you know from a from a very young age knowing that I wanted to be like a judge or something like that. What was it for you? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't have any judicial dreams. I, as a young um, child, I actually always saw myself as a, somewhat of an activist for the environment. I, I envisioned I would be an environmental lawyer or, or something of the like. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the plans changed a little bit along the way, but I think in terms of, of living by my values and principles that hasn't changed too much um i and i'm i'm so fortunate enough to work for an organization that has similar values um and and is it we're we're aligned in terms of not just doing what is legal but also doing what is right amazing Uh, yeah amazing so how did you start your career in law how did you how did you do it how did you excel to these senior legal (laughs) rankings and rights and um so if if i was good i i actually graduated in um in what was then the recession in the uk and i was one of the unfortunate people who was not able to get a training contract in the uk um and part of the reason about being honest about this is because maybe for me that was actually the best um best sort of 
at the time failing that happened. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. So but it, I, is, it is very difficult. Anyone who has tried to get a training contract um, in the UK knows how difficult it is. It is yes. not. Uh, it, it's like a lottery that you win yeah. by chance. So it's not a fail a failure of any sort. But in any case, that was but when your you're part. that young, you mm-hmm. think that. Of course. Um, and and then obviously being the recession, you try and console yourself and say, no, you know, so many of us we weren't able to get uh, training contracts Correct. because of the recession. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made at the time um, the decision of moving back to Kenya yeah. um, and I think it was the best decision that I've ever taken. I moved back and I started my journey um, in private practice with Rachman Vanji Elms and Verdi Advocates. Amazing. Um, a, a firm that has been around for ages. Yes, it has. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. And and, and it's got um, some really amazing partners who've, who really taught me and encouraged me um, just just to be confident about myself mm-hmm. and, and my abilities. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I started off with them. I spent three years with them before I um, went the corporate route. Yeah. Yeah. And so who did you, did you join another firm in Kenya or? No, I actually went and joined Eat Out after. Okay, so Eat, Eat Out is like a magazine for so um, promoting food, d- digital marketing. Digital marketing yeah. um, in the Horeca industry. Mm-hmm. So it is to promote restaurants, food, um, food establishments, um, hotels, etc. Yeah. Uh, that opportunity was really, really cool. I, I don't think they necessarily needed as much legal support. So I was really lucky that the CEO um, or head of Eat Out, I don't know what what, what the reference, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, but McCool was actually very cool and he he encouraged me to try out various things like designing my own website. I don't think any, anyone would just say, hey, well, you're a lawyer, but you want to test this out, you want to try it out, Mm -hmm. see what happens. Okay. And was that then a natural progression to Nestle or how did that happen? Um, so knowing that there wasn't as much of a challenge for me in the legal field, um, I decided to start consulting. Um, so I started consulting and it is actually while I was consulting and, you know, as you do, you have, it's just kismet, I guess, uh, yeah, you come yeah. across a opportunity and on the, you know, the knock on the door was actually Nestle. They were looking for some additional support. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was initially intended to be like a short six month consulting opportunity, just uh, providing them with a little bit of support in the local market and maybe extending out uh, to a couple of other countries. Um, and then look at me now, nine years down the road. Um, in fact, this month, nine years, um, if I'm right, it's today, exactly nine years since I joined Nestle. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And so the, the, the decision to go in-house versus legal practice, how do you, how do you think, what do you think is so different and why do you enjoy in-house practice more than you would have, um, you know, the corporate practice at admin? (laughs) So... I think when you when you work in house, you have one client. That's not to say that one client means less work. That means that you really begin a journey with that client. It's a long term relationship, understanding how they think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how do they tick? What is their value system? And once you begin to understand that, you can actually go beyond what in private practice is just advising on what the law says and how to 
support your mm-hmm. your client. Here, mm-hmm. you actually get to be a part of the solution. Yeah. You get to drive the strategy. You get to see firsthand how your advice is used, not just send an email with you know uh, like an opinion or advice. It's it's actually having the opportunity to see your cake rise. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, amazing. I mean, that is a perfect analogy for Nestle because it has so many brands yeah. in the consumer goods space. Um, what what attracts me to being in, in practice is actually the ability to work for for a Nestle, for a Meta, for, you know, the, yeah. the, the different um, clients that you have in the variety of work. But for you, it must be variety every day because Nestle is such a huge company yeah. anyway. Yes. Um, and so what are the most challenging things about being the senior senior legal advisor and also the compliance and market data protection officer? It's, it's all encompassing, isn't it? It is extremely all encompassing. Mm. It's, um, you know, so in terms of my role, um, at the moment I cover 23 countries um, and... 23 countries, I mean... Yeah. How? <laughs> so, so it's it, it does sound daunting. Um, it is twenty three countries, and you are looking at different jurisdictions, uh, different legal systems. But you know, after so many years of working across so many jurisdictions, one of the things that I have learned is the law is the law is that the law is there to protect a right now. Who and what that right is, is really what we have to understand. The moment you start understanding that, then straight off the bat, all the similarities start to come off the table. And I mean, if I was just to explain why I I actually genuinely enjoy my role, it's because, especially as a compliance officer, you can put together a comparative table and... Right off the bat, you can see all these similarities and the only differences are minor differences like what are the timelines for filing documents or etc. I mean, you know, it's, it's those differences are very few. Every single regulation, um, whether we're talking about data protection in Kenya or we're talking about data protection in Mauritius or the Poppy Act in South Africa, the premise is the same. The right that is being protected is the same just how you yeah how you exercise it. it's amazing that you're talking about comparative tables because actually one of the things because i focus on africa as well and one of the things that we've been doing is doing exactly that yeah. doing guides that cover the whole of the globe so that clients are able to know very quickly yes. what are the pain points in each of the countries that, that we're covering and those are so helpful and that, that is and and really i think that it's it's interesting for me because i get to see and also you get an opportunity to raise the standard when you're working in other countries where for example, exactly. an, an employment right is not really being protected. And you can then say, well, let's use best practice from somewhere else. I am so happy that you actually talk about that because mm-hmm. that's actually the Nestle way is to adopt the highest standard. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would allude to that being one of my mm-hmm. um, my strengths in, in terms of how to successfully be a senior legal advisor or a compliance officer or a data protection officer, whatever whatever title you want to say. But the best way is is to actually apply the highest yeah, standard. standard. Mm-hmm. And and that means, you know, carrying out those da- um, comparative tables and disseminating that information in a simple way that the business, as an in-house counsel, because yeah. that's your client, the business can actually translate those technical or rather you translate those technical complex issues into simple ways that they can apply them and that's that's where the success lies is 
how do you translate all this jargon into something very simple? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it must be interesting and change from day to day. So tell us what is your day to day like? And and the second part of the question is in terms of the legal skills that you need, is it um, is it corporate skills? Is it IP skills? Because Nestle has a very big brand. Um, is it data protection as you already are the data compliance officer anyway? So which what is the day to day like and what part of the uh, legal mind do you need to apply? Um, Don't tell me all of it <laughs> at the same time. No, no. So um, if I, if we can go back to the first question. Yeah. Um, so just for my purposes, because there was a whole load on the second question, if you can just repeat the first question. Okay. Again. So what is the day-to-day like? Okay. <laughs> so um, in terms of my day-to-day, I have to actually be honest. You, If you're working across so many countries as the same as you, you can't really compare one day to the next. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, you could be carrying out, or rather, I, I know, I mean, in my case, one day I'm carrying out trainings, uh, the next day I could be actually focusing on reporting and analysis. Um, I mean, it's yeah. still within the, the legal field. Yeah. You know that there's obviously reporting that you have to do there. I could be managing um, external litigate, um, litigation um, lawyers yeah. and, and um, I could, you know, there's, there's a variety of, yeah. uh, of work. And, and contracts, I know the common thinking that most, um, most people have is that as a lawyer that's what you do you draft mm. contracts review contracts yeah. review contracts mm-hmm. and and draft contracts mm-hmm. um but there's so much additional value that we bring to the table whether it's to a special project and you know in a, in a region like this there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions yeah. going on mm-hmm. but then there's the new focus areas which those are really exciting where we're we as lawyers within Nestle we're beginning to focus on sustainability yeah. and um and advocacy and data protection yeah. and food laws i mean food is the new tobacco you know that's what yeah. that's what we say in Nestle and yeah. and so there's there's a lot of focus in these areas and and so one way, one day to the next it definitely varies tell me about food law that's very interesting what, what does that mean um, so food law, now, if we're talking about the 80s, tobacco was really the... The regulation, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm talking about food laws as in the regulation. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the sugar content, the okay. trans fat content, Correct. salt content. Okay. Um, but we're also, Nestle is not just taking a stance where you're looking at reducing just for compliance sake we are also looking at how do we fortify our nutrition um, because you have to meet the nutritional needs of the the country that you're in uh for example in in angola there and and i'm i'm just recalling some of this and um there were there was a serious um issue of malnutrition because some of the children they were not able to get regular meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nestle did something amazing several years ago where they started to provide at least one meal um, and, and they were working with the Ministry of Education uh, to provide one healthy meal, which was also fortified with additional ingredients okay. mm-hmm. for children. Yeah. Um, so that they know that at least the children have that one meal when they come to and school. And it's the minimum, like the standard of like nutrition that you need. Or... Exactly. Okay, okay. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, mm-hmm. so that's what we mean by food law. So okay. it's not just taking a negative stance to it, where, or I, I call it a negative stance, but I mean in terms of reducing um, the four-part ingredients. It's it's actually now taking a 
um, a positive stance mm -hmm. where we are trying to do better for our consumers. We're mm -hmm. trying to provide them with what they technically need. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that that is very interesting because the regulate is Africa behind in that kind of regulation on trans fats and sugar content and all of that because there's been a big push in the U in in Europe and the UK for for those kind of things. Are we behind on that? No. No. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we we're catching up very quickly. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say we're necessarily behind. Yes, there are some countries which are still discussing some of these regulations. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm not an expert in this area, but I can tell you that um, that Kenya is already looking at uh, a traffic light system. Okay. And uh, I mean, just our own like backyard. We're we are already discussing how these different um, elements or ingredients in foods are impacting us. Okay. Um, you can see the same thing in Mauritius. You can see in, in various countries. These discussions are happening. Amazing. Part mm -hmm. of it is also revenue-driven, um, where countries are also trying, well, governments and um, are trying to gain revenue, but also there is the additional side where we are trying to do, as, as governments, um, as legislators, we are trying to do our part and yeah. and that makes me proud to to know that our legislators have our back well, i mean that's that's great and in terms of sustainability i guess you're also talking about packaging um you know yes. emissions from the factories and etc yes. etc i mean yeah. the, the, your role is so varied you know i was even honing in on the on the data protection but that's actually you know just a fraction of it well i mean it's 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 amazing as a in-house counsel in Nestle, you touch so many mm. different areas. Mm -hmm. um, we are we we have our own individual specializations, but we also are general counsel. You you sort of have to plug and play. Yeah. Um, and and it's nice, and that's why I say that you can't really compare one day to the next. Of course, of course, that that would be now. Now it looks extremely silly. Um, what yeah. skills do you think that you bring to this role? What skills? If if someone was to say, I want to be a, a general counsel at Nestle what is a particular skill that you bring that your unique selling point um, so so I actually I I joke and I say that I'm a permanent student or but I think I think that really is I think being humble enough to learn mm -hmm. and hungry enough to learn is something that any general counsel should be, mm -hmm. um, but you also need to be self-driven. Um, I mean, if we're if we're talking about your your role as an individual, uh, and and if you want to succeed, you need to be able to drive your career. That means don't leave it to someone else to tell you where to go, what to do. And that's not just for a lawyer. I think that's for every every young person. I mean, I, just, I agree. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's advice for anyone. Mm -hmm. Be be self driven, but humble enough to learn. You know, the journey to excellence is always going to be continuous. Oh, I agree completely. So humble, hungry, and driven. I like those three <laughs> words. So let's last month we had my partner Shem talking about data protection, and I know that that you're a data protection officer. Yeah. Now that we get to hear from you as the as the actual person in the firm, what is that responsibility like? What does it mean to be the data protection officer in a company such as Nestle? So I I personally I don't want to go into um, into all of the nitty-gritty in answering this question though the one thing that i want to emphasize is that data protection is not a checklist 
And, and that's also the same thing I try and talk about when I talk about compliance. It's not a checklist. It is a continuous effort. Um, data protection officers play a strategic role. You need to, yeah. as an organization, you need to understand the value that they bring, especially because we're in a data-driven society. Yeah. In as much as we may like to think that uh, those of us in Africa, we're not, we're not in the same environment, but we are very much there. Yeah. The, the mobile penetration across Africa is possibly higher than elsewhere. I mean, we have, most of us have not just got one SIM, we have two, or yeah. we have three phones even, yeah. you know. Which perform different functions. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we, we've got to understand that a data protection officer has a strategic role, and that strategic role is in helping you advance your business. Um, and, and it's important to understand that they need to be at the at the high table they need to be able to understand the strategy of the organization yeah. to help the organization meet that strategic goal um and that's that's what i would like to emphasize yeah. don't think of it as a checklist where okay i get my employee consent or or i get my consent notice signed by um, my data subject no yeah. think about it as it's i think i think actually i would i would probably say we need to start now thinking about it in terms of the ethical use of data yeah, yeah. and thinking how do we use the data or, or, or process the data in a way that it is moral, not just legal. And that's, that's the direction I would yeah. encourage any organization to go to. Mm -hmm. And that's the role obviously a data protection officer yeah. would play if they're sitting at the high table. Yeah, that's a very high standard that you, you because mor morality, I guess, is, is for any, anyone to, to, to presuppose what it's they subjective, think. Yeah. It's subjective, yeah. But I think I understand what you're saying in terms of the responsibility that one holds in that position. Just from a technical point of view, how did you become a data? Did you do training? Is there a course? Just for anyone who wants to do, so, to do that. So in terms of a technical point, I actually um, completed my Certified Information Privacy Manager course with the IAPP. So okay. the IAPP is the International Association for Privacy Professionals. Okay. Um, they have several courses. They also have um, a Privacy Professional course. So it's the CIPP. You can do the European version. The um, I think they, they have a US version, a Canadian version yeah, yeah. as well, mm -hmm. um, and a Asian version. Yeah. Um, but they also have, for those people who are in the IT industry, they actually have also got an opportunity for you to certify yourself because there is a huge, well, digital, technical, I don't know what, you know, information technology yeah. side to data privacy and yeah. data protection. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it doesn't mean that this is just for lawyers. And it doesn't also mean that you have to be a lawyer or an IT person uh, to get into it. I yeah. think I think if if you're looking for a change or if you're just looking to to enhance a an area that you're interested in, I think it's it's worth looking into. I, and and those bodies that you referred to are those like over oversight bodies for globally that yeah. are recognized globally and that they're, they're the ones. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So if if anyone is interested, those are the ones to look for. But yeah. thank you, Vina, for that. I no, think that's very imp important for anyone who yeah. who wants to. Okay. So now let's turn to the future. Yeah. You you are at Nestle. Um, what are the challenges that you think a consumer goods company like Nestle, I thought, I think we've touched on it a bit, a little bit, uh, bit um, will be facing in the future and how are you guys preparing yourself for that? So I think with any consumer goods 
organization like Nestle, the the future is going to be daunting. We are looking at a world where third-party cookies are being um, are, are, are no longer sort of the the go-to. I yeah. mean, we're we're looking at a cookie-less world, and that means that um, organizations need to start. Uh, being a lot more innovative with their marketing. Yeah. Uh, we've got obviously, in addition to that, there's an increase in data privacy regulations or data protection regulations across every jurisdiction. Discussions yeah. are a lot more uh, focused on the right to privacy, and and that is going to lead to a lot of cost implications for any organization, mm -hmm. whether we're talking about a Nestle or a Mondelez or any organization is big or small. I mean, we could be just talking about uh, any normal small organization in Kenya. If they are marketing and they want to continue marketing to their consumers, but personalize that communication, yeah. they are going to have to change. They're going to have to become a lot more innovative. And what's amazing is I think Kenya has done some amazing things in, in that regard. Um, COVID, it showed us how, you know, how fine we're, we're not talking about necessarily um, uh, marketing, but, but we're talking about the the digital area. We're doing so many amazing things with the USSD platforms. Yeah. And I mean, I just think there's a lot of brains out there in Kenya and it's it's time that we start having these discussions and seeing what young people are also capable of. Where the, where the innovation is. Yeah. yeah. To enable direct marketing to, to customers and for them to be repeat business. And, exactly. And so, so I guess it's all about reta retaining that bottom line while, you know, in the in the yeah. midst of, of regulation, exactly. I guess. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything that you've um, told us here today and thank you for sharing. Um, I think it's been very important. Um, one of the things that I really want to get out of this um, discussion, um, I had a chat with my mentees and they were saying that they, they really want to get tips and tricks for working well um, as a gener as a younger generation I think some people don't know like what are the tips to really working efficiently what would you say um, if you were to give one or two um, tips and tricks so I am going to share something that my own mentor uh, who I owe a lot to in terms do you want to give a shout out <laughs> no, I think he, I, I don't know if he'll, he'll be happy for me to give a shout out, but I, I, um, I think he's a little bit more of a private person, but I really do. I think he knows who he is and, okay. um, and I, I guess he'll be watching. So uh, hi. Yeah, hi. <laughs> um, so I, I, there, he's, I owe a lot to, to my professional growth, um, to, to him. And, uh, one of the things that he he ingrained in my career or my mind uh, early on was the the need to narrow down to the issue okay so you need to have a methodology facts issue law views that you facts, have to do facts issue laws application which is what that's we, issue law what application we say, okay or views yeah. i mean it's, it's in a sense mm -hmm. it, essentially it is the same thing facts issues law and then application mm -hmm. or views whichever you know mm -hmm. i guess that that last bit changes depending on mm -hmm. what the ask is mm -hmm. but i think that methodology we we apply it in law school and then we leave and it's somehow forgotten but 
that was something which he was very, very insistent that if you do not apply this methodology, you are not ever going to succeed. You need to keep applying the methodology. And in that respect, the issue is one of the probably the most difficult things because we, we will always narrow into to the surface issue. And that's very easy for us to, to kind of think that we're successful at when we're early on in our career. Um, and then that means you're really not giving the right advice. You're not necessarily dwelling in on the real risks. What, what, is, what is it that the client wants? Exactly. Whether it's an in-house client or, or a or, private or even, client. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, no matter the type of client, no matter how big or small, understanding the issue and really spending that time to understand the mm -hmm. issue. That would be one of my biggest tips is just take the time with the issue. Don't be rushing to give the advice or to apply give your views because trust me if you spend the time on the issue the rest will come quite easily very easily yeah. can you give us an example of where you've actually applied that oh gosh no <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i could give it i mean it's, it's every day mm. i i it's, it's very difficult for me to just come up with an example like <laughs> on the spot <laughs> no the yeah spot. on the spot i i apologize yeah. that one i i i don't i mean i would really need time to to come up with an answer but it's, a, but it's an everyday application i, I guess it is an everyday application yeah. which mm. is why no no example is going to be ever good enough to to say here on this mm. platform mm. i think i think every every single day no matter how big or small that methodology is probably going to be the bible for any lawyer to succeed mm. well as we leave on that note um humble hungry and driven thank you so much rena for spending time with us and for giving us an insight as to how you've climbed up the career ladder which is phenomenal uh what you're doing in your daily work which is amazing and how you're managing to stay afloat which is even better so thank you thank so much thank you so much for having me i really appreciate that no worries, no worries. and um and i hope that uh my sitting here will encourage women i mean you know we really need to hear back from we do. Our, our our fellow women we do actually on that note we haven't spoken about the heritage day so tell oh, us about yes. a bit about that mm -hmm. Um, so I actually, one of the additional roles I play is I am a member of our diversity and inclusion, um, team and, and I'm actually a regional champion. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a campaign we're running internally. We're trying to encourage all of our fellow colleagues to, to give a shout out to that grandmother or mother or sister or aunt who raised them. Yeah. But to do it through food, because you know what? Nestle is all about food. Food, yeah, yeah of course. Um, and so we've, I've just been getting colleagues to cook, to um, to get into their kitchen and just show and, us what and their you, favorite you recipe cook, is. you cook, don't you? I do. You I do. Love to cook. Yes, and yeah. so do I, as you know. <laughs> I do know, I do know. And um, I, I can't wait to actually try out some of your recipes. Yes, and we, we'll do it together, actually. Perfect. So it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be exciting for me Thank as well. You um okay so excellent and can we see that campaign running or is it just an internal thing uh it's an internal, internal it's an internal campaign but we're hoping that out of the internal campaign we can get a couple of really amazing favorite recipes from across the region where people are either using a nestle product um or innovating a existing recipe yeah. and making it exciting for yeah. for all of us i mean, I mean that would be great to see great to see a, a published yeah. recipe from someone that's exactly. actually in nestle that exactly. would be amazing um, I 
actually I have a colleague who just won this week's uh, competition and it's it's an amazing amazing cake so what I might do is I'll ask her if I can share her grandmother's recipe oh well, that would be so and you can so make it good one day. and also we could po post it here for everyone as exactly. well um, so everyone watching that would be really good yeah thank you so much Rina no I problem. appreciate your time I appreciate you being here and it's been really lovely to meet you thank you thank you Jerry everyone see you next month